So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Hey, everybody. Carol here. I just wanted to take a quick second to say thank you to just a few of our amazing Patreon supporters. This week, shout out goes to Evan, John Wilson, Tim DeRook, William Carlson, Andrew Davison, Colby Allred, Chris Pestel, Kazi S, Werner Oving, and Uli Muli. Thank you, all of you. Your donations help make this show happen. If you'd like to join this amazing community of Patreon supporters, you need only go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash Patreon. Now let's get this show on the road. Trying to find one with lots of tracking to see how we can see it. Uh, why don't you try? I haven't tried this one. Uh, I'm going to try TechCrunch. Oh, Forbes. Oh, Forbes. Yes, go Forbes. For Forbes. Yes, Forbes. <laughs> Forbes. Forbes. I'm on it. Yes, Forbes. Forbes. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. See, we've, maybe we've created a new game here. Who can yep. find the website with the most trackers? Oh, Forbes. <laughs> Disappointingly few. I haven't got many on Forbes. I got three ad trackers, one third party That's cookie. That's pathetic. Okay, um, let's try Daily Mail. The Daily oh, Mail. Oh, the sun. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's I'm... do this. Daily Mail. Ooh! Daily Mail. Ooh. Smashing Security, episode 198. Chucky the Coffee Maker, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 198. My name's Graham Cluley. Two more shows, Graham, till we hit the big two zero zero. I'm Carol Terrio. Don't build it up too much. <laughs> well, it's going to be a huge, epic number, if nothing else. <laughs> and we are joined this week by the hugely epic Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire podcast. Hello, Yay! Dave. Oh, hello there. <laughs> Hurrah. Hey, Dave. Hi. How are you? Oh, I think like most people, we're hanging in there, making the most of a challenging situation that we all find ourselves in, no matter where in the world we may reside. Yeah, things are cray-cray in your country at the moment. Are they? What's going on? Oh, this and that. This and that. <laughs> Not worth mentioning. Let, let, okay. Let's move on, yeah. Grill, what's coming up on the show this week? First, let's thank this week's sponsors, LastPass and Oracle. Their support help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham talks about yet another one of his pet peeves, coffee. Dave has an easy peasy tip to reveal how websites spy on us. And I'll look into just how smart home smart security actually is. Also, I had a cozy chat with cloud security expert Greg Jensen from Oracle, who shares his expertise and a few freebies. So buckle up and listen up as we have all this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, I have an admission to make because it may come as a shock to you, but I have many, many vices. <laughs> uh, many things which have occasionally pulled me off the straight and narrow, but one of them... What, like chess? Well, yes, exactly. He's, yes. A, he's a wild man. Yeah, yeah, he went down the dark, dark path. <laughs> oh, hey, don't knock chess, right? I'm not knocking chess. <laughs> don't bash the bishop. Hardly a vice. It's, it's well, you know. I, I'll tell you one of, one of the things I don't have as a vice, I'm quite proud I don't have as a vice, is I don't drink coffee. Mm. And frankly, I, I think, love drinking coffee. Do you really? I actually feel sorry for you that you don't drink coffee. Well, what exactly am I missing by not drinking coffee? 
uh, so, so much. That wonderful, wonderful feeling in the morning when you get mm. to make it, the experience of making a beautiful coffee, that going, well, not now, but in the olden days, going out and meeting people for coffee and having a little gossy goss session. Do you love the taste of mastic asphalt in the morning? Is that the thing which you live for, having that sort of taste? Why not just... You're just just, a philistine. Why not just lick the tarmac, Crow? Well, look, I'm also a busy man, which is another reason why I don't drink coffee. I confess I also do not drink coffee. Look at that. Do you drink tea? Do you drink tea? I will drink tea, but I prefer my caffeine delivered cold. So, oh, I, was gonna, uh, I thought you were going to say intravenously. I was going to go, whoa. Yeah, right. Hardcore. No, no. <laughs> and, and every few years I get seduced by the smell of coffee. And so yes. some I will take a sip and then I'm reminded of just about how horrible it, it really does taste. And, and wow. th- put it off for a few more years. I'm, I'm Listeners, good. help me out here, okay? Coffee lovers, <laughs> it's time to unite. Because my husband doesn't drink coffee either. I feel like I'm being surrounded. I think this is interesting because in a recent survey, a very recent survey, it was found three out of four people don't drink coffee. So those would be me, Dave, and John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a little peer pressure there, Carol. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I normally fall to peer pressure. Graham will anyway. tell you. I really do follow the... Carol, can we please get back to the topic, right? Because mm. I do recognise... You've just diverted us. I do recognise... <laughs> it's your fault, Carol. Yeah, I know. It's always my fault. Coffee plays a very important part on the internet. As you will recall, back in 1991, the University of Cambridge set up the world's first webcam, pointed at a coffee cup. I don't remember, but okay. Well, it's famous, Carol. It's no longer live. The web page is still there, but it hasn't been updated for about 20 years. Um, but <laughs> two employees are in a standoff over whose turn it is to refill the coffee, and uh, this has been going on for years. Well, that's what they used it for. They used it to see if it was full, right? If it wasn't, because no one wanted to go down and refill it. They'd say, anyway, ever since people have thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to connect coffee machines to the internet? And why Who not? Who has thought? Everybody, everybody, crawl. When the internet was invented, I'm sure, I'm sure, good old everybody Sir Tim, thought. So Tim, right, with the web and things, he was... Elon probably thought of this. Yes, all of them. They've been thinking of it. And, of course, there have been diversions. There have been connected fridges and vacuum cleaners and toothbrushes and internet sex toys and things like that. And we know that all of them have performed perfectly without any problems, right? There have never been any troubles with any IoT devices connected to the internet, especially these things which you wouldn't normally associate with being connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. Well, one coffee maker manufacturer which goes by the name of Smarter. That is the name. Smarter Smart. Smarter Smart Coffee. Hubris gets you every time. Well, you can buy a Smarter (laughs) Coffee Maker for $250. I don't know if that's a bargain or not. I mean, coffee makers cost a lot of money. You can get espresso makers for a grand that are not connected to the internet. So A good one. Yeah, yeah, a good one. Well, you can pay five grand. You can spend a lot of money on, right? And they probably throw in, uh, who's that chap who advertises them? over the grey hair, the silver fox. You know the one. Dyson guy? No, not that. <laughs> no, George Clooney. He oh, yes, yes, yes. Nespresso. Mm, mm-hmm. Nes- yeah. I'm not sure that's really coffee, but anyway. Right, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, these smarter coffee makers, right, they caught right. the attention of a hacker called Evil Socket. And okay. Evil so he's up Socket. to a lot of good stuff. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Socket had a child, decided to call him Evil. So Evil Socket, he took one of these coffee makers four years ago and he completely right. reverse engineered it, worked out how it could be remotely accessed. And he showed how easy it was to send commands to make a cup of coffee or use the filter instead of the beans in the grinder and, you know, keep coffee warmer for longer. Jesus. It's like, a, wait, is he turning it into Chucky the coffee maker? Well, <laughs> I don't think... He was putting actual axes or anything like that. (laughs) Chop off your hand as you go. It'll spew hot water at you from across the room. (laughs) (laughs) Scalding hot water. Anyway, he found out it was possible to do this. And the Smarter Company, uh, they did respond because they produced a new version of their coffee machine, which fixed some of the bugs which he was able to exploit. Mm -hmm. But the problem was this. When you buy a coffee machine, particularly one which you might have spent a decent amount of money on, How often does it get updated? How often do you refresh it? And they weren't pushing out updates for the old one. So there weren't updates. Sorry, I do have a question, though, that you haven't actually... Oh, yes. I mean, maybe you're coming to it, but I don't understand how this coffee maker is IoT in the least. What what is IoT about this coffee maker? Everything you've said is normal. 
Well, these devices you can control through apps or through the internet. So you would be lying in bed, for example, and go, yes. oh, I really need a cup of coffee. Yeah. If only I'd put a mug under the coffee machine because I could actually make myself a cup, but I forgot to put a mug and it's not smart enough to go get one for me. It's like the goblin teas made or whatever it was called. That thing you would have <laughs> next to your bed on an alarm clock and it got See, that's much smarter. Just put it near your bed. <laughs> right? Anyway, okay, carry on. All right. So they brought out a new version, right? And, and the, the, the question is, these appliances, how often are they updated? Typical fridge only gets replaced every 17 years, apparently. But IoT appliances might need to be updated more often than that, right? Especially mm-hmm. if they're not receiving patches. Now, this week, a researcher with a vast name of Martin Horon, that's Ron with a silent H, or maybe you do pronounce the H, Martin Horon, uh, he decided to perform what he called a thought experiment with one of these older coffee machines. He was curious as to whether he could reverse engineer it himself and then exploit it. So this is another person who's trying this to This is another chap who's building right. upon the research which has been done in the past. Perfect. And mm-hmm. he discovered that these IoT-enabled smarter coffee machines were not checking that their firmware updates had been properly signed. And as a consequence, he was able to trick the coffee machine into installing a bogus, unauthorized update. And again, then your coffee machine goes, psycho! Well, no, it doesn't. It's (laughs) like the worst thing ever. Even if, no, it isn't the worst thing ever, Carole. Even if a coffee machine did go psycho, it hasn't got legs, it hasn't got wheels, it's not going to chase you around. Well, not yet. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe that's what they'll have next. It'll be a coffee machine and wheels coming up to your bedroom going, would you like coffee? I will make you coffee. It'll start teaming up with the toaster oven and the the microwave. And next thing you know, you've got a droid running around the kitchen throwing knives at you. Hey, did you see this week that Amazon thing where it's like they have an Amazon drone thing for inside your house? Yes. Jesus, what? What do you mean? It flies around trying to work out if anything dangerous is happening and then presumably takes actions. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. no. I said this has to be a joke, right? This is a yeah, joke. Yeah, it's got to be a joke. So you have a three-year-old that throws the ball at the mother or something, like because he's just throwing something, and the thing comes around and goes, and shoots it out of existence. 30,000 exactly. volts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Tasered. Please put down your weapon. You have five <laughs> seconds to comply. It's Skynet. Effectively, it's Skynet. <laughs> and people are inviting these into their home. Oh. Yes. So maybe the coffee machine will sprout wings or little propellers at some point. Maybe that'd be in another Could update. happen. Anyway, so Martin Ferron, he managed to install new firmware. And he thought, oh, now I can install new firmware. What shall I do with it? And his first thought was crypto mining. He thought, well, maybe what I could do is I could use the processor on the coffee machine <laughs> to grind away earning mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. He said, would that be possible? And he reckons that's feasible, but because the speed of the chip's only 8 millihertz, it's quite slow. <laughs> okay, people are, this is showing us that even, even researchers are very bored in this Rona time. very stupid. Very stupid. Yes, bored. <laughs> Let's call it bored. And then he thought, no, 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 no. He said, no, not crypto mining. He said, let's not do that. Let's do ransomware. And so he effectively wrote a ransomware proof of concept. And it doesn't encrypt your drinks. Instead, what it take it does is it locks up your coffee machine. So your oh machine is now beeping. It won't make coffee. It does occasionally spurt out hot water. And it displays on the screen, on the little panel, displays a little devil-like icon and a short message telling you to go to a link to unlock. You know what? You know what, Martin? Machine. You know what, Mr. Martin Hron? You deserve a slap. Because, okay, maybe I don't just love coffee. Maybe I am addicted to coffee. But tell you what, that would piss me off. Well, that's the point, isn't it? That's yeah, the well, point. why? Why? Because I bought it? I'm, no. I'm, I'm the Money. victim of all his crap because he's upset with the people that made the coffee machine? So Unfair. He, re- he reckons, so what he did was he could make the machine turn on its burner, spew out hot water, Endlessly spin the grinder. Oh my! I would. I mean, you would, and and all the time it's beeping away, and so Mm. you might well pay. (laughs) But of course, you're not going to pay more than two hundred and fifty dollars because you could just chuck it in the bin and replace it with another one. Can you imagine calling the cops? (laughs) 
I don't know what's going on. My coffee machine is possessed. Uh, Miss Terrio, we're going to have to ask you to stop calling us. Uh... <laughs> exactly. This is the 15th time this yeah. week. They would think you're totally tinfoil brigade, wouldn't they? So you can just unplug the coffee machine, obviously. Or you could just stop drinking coffee. <laughs> Which might be a good thing. But then, if be- if everyone stopped drinking coffee because of this, the industry could crumble, society would be devastated, it would be end of times. Um, we're already there, darling. We're already there. I don't know if, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news. Only, t- <laughs> only <laughs> Dave and I, who've been strong enough to resist the lure of coffee, would survive. <laughs> At last, our time has come. <laughs> Emperor and Empress. All the normal people are, are decimated. Right. So. It'll just be me and Graham playing chess together, just the two of us alone. Adam and Adam. <laughs> singing show tunes now you might be wondering how do you infect a coffee machine well you have to be quite close to it because you have to be on its wi-fi you have to be on the same wi-fi so you'd have to go to an office which you knew was using this make of coffee machine or a home which was with your little phone to infect it or you could in theory um infect the router and then it would remotely infect the coffee i'm not sure if anyone would actually bother doing this to be honest do you think any I'd- of our <laughs> listeners have one of these well it's quite possible yes Martin Huron, we don't know if he listens. Okay, I want to hear from somebody with one of these. I want to understand why, what the advantage is, why this is worth it. I just don't get it. Is this a particular brand? Well, well, ah, well this is the thing, of course. There are other coffee machines out there, which maybe Martin Huron and Evil Socket haven't yet turned their attention to. But if they did, I wonder if they'd suffer similar problems. Now, normally with these kind of things, you think, well, just turn off the Wi-Fi. Disconnect it. Don't allow it to connect. Don't give it your Wi-Fi password. Oh, I guess that bricks it. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But actually, with this particular machine, if you don't connect it to your local Wi-Fi, it yep. is smart enough to say, oh, I'm not connected to Wi-Fi. I will start broadcasting my own Wi-Fi hotspot, default username. Oh. <laughs> Making it even easier for people to connect. So you can have coffee even when your Wi-Fi is down is the idea, is what they were thinking originally. Oh, I hadn't thought of that, Carol. That's probably why they did it, but they didn't think about the fact. Because if your Wi-Fi's down, then you'd need coffee, I suppose. This is just a bad idea. What is wrong with a Bowdoin plunger? What is wrong with a little old espresso maker, cafetiere? What is wrong? I don't know. I'm just, yep. I'm on the other side now. All right. So I think, Carol, have we convinced you that coffee just isn't worth bothering with? (laughs) You yes, want, that, yeah, that was a very sport. logical debate, and that is where we got to. I'm never going to drink coffee again, Graham. Wow. You can share yeah. the throne with us. We'll budge up our buttocks to give you some room for yours. And uh, we can rule Excuse me? Because we will be... <laughs> yeah, no, I'll leave that to you guys. You guys got this. Dave, what's your story for us this week? Well, uh, you know, I, I think all of us growing up, we are familiar with black lights, right? Things glow under black light. I know certainly, Carol, you probably spent a lot of time out in the clubs and what, the discos what do you dancing. Say? I've never heard of these things. What do you mean I'm uh, familiar yeah, with these? I, I, can, I can tell you what I think it means. Are you serious? Yeah. Is it, it's either like the, the light like in a, in a dark room yeah, or it would be ultraviolet lights. Yeah, so I, I know. No, 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 no. So this is fascinating. You're, you're, you're actually not familiar with the term blacklight. Is that right? No, I don't no. think I am. Huh, no. interesting. Maybe it's uh, uh, on this side of the pond term. Well, a blacklight, yes, it is an ultraviolet light. So there are light bulbs that are uh, blacklights. There are fluorescent lights that are blacklights. And it is a thing, like if you go through a, a carnival funhouse, it's the light that makes things glow. It makes your T-shirt glow. Oh, okay. oh yes, I've, I've seen that, yes. Right, you know what I'm talking about? Right, yes. Okay, that's a blacklight. Aren't they used in CSIs for like, you know, discovering body fluids and that sort well, of thing? Well, that's Ugh. where we're headed, Carol. Okay, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong, Dave? Yes. So... Turns out that black lights are not only fun at a party, but they have uh, this purpose that bodily fluids, including <laughs> blood and other emissions, earwax. Uh, fluoresce under black light. Earwax, right? That's exactly what I was thinking, uh, Graham. <laughs> so they fluoresce under black light, which means fluoresce. they glow under black light. So, That's a good word. Yes, fluoresce. thank you very much. So 
and this became all the rage probably about a decade ago. There were lots of TV shows that basic and local news shows were taking their black light flashlights to local no-tell motels. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. And just yeah. shining the light on everything and, and they'd have a, a counter going of how many stains were all and the strangest places where the stains showed up you know how did the stain get on the ceiling fan i once stayed in a days in express outside boston i think which was probably a prime mm-hmm. candidate for this kind of thing <laughs> slightly yes, grubby yes. right i think we've all mm. been in yeah. suboptimal hotel rooms from time to time and you you don't want to think too much about the number of people who have mm. shared that mattress before you. And you hope that the cleaning crew is vigilant and at the very least you have fresh set of sheets on the bed. But <laughs> Carol and I, we least. know a chap who, um, who <laughs> won't make a cup of tea from the kettle or iron his shirts with the iron which is supplied. Ask uh, in the why, Dave. Ask why. <laughs> uh, why? Why is that? Because he fears that they won't have used water in them. Someone might have used something else. You know, he thinks people get lazy. They're pissed. They won't bother going to the loo, you know, that's five meters away. So they just take yeah, but how'd a leak you go in, in the, the iron, Carol? How'd you go in the iron? <laughs> that's not easy. How do you know, Graham? <laughs> <laughs> on you go. On you go, Dave. Carry on. Don't yes, distract Yes, let's you. move on. So it's just that kind of show, isn't it? So It's my fault. Yes. So a black light is a useful tool for basically uh, evaluating a crime scene. So I tell you that to tell you this. Yes. (laughs) Uh, There is a nonprofit news organization called The Markup, and they publish stories about tech things, privacy, and and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. They have developed a tool that they call Blacklight, and it is a real-time website privacy inspector. And so what you do is you put the website address in their little menu item there and you hit the scan site button and it will give you a report of how your site ranks in terms of the number of scanners and and things that may compromise your privacy. Now, Graham, I know uh, you were looking through the show notes and you loaded your own Graham Cluley site on here. How did you do? I came up with a completely clean sheet, which isn't what I found at the Days Inn Express, I have to say. <laughs> no, no, but did you, did, no, no, but did you already know what they were going to look for and cleaned it up first? No, no, no. I had no, no. I, I, I had no idea what Blacklight was going to do. But it looks like it's looking for tracking pixels and mm-hmm. all kinds mm-hmm. of nastiness and whether keystrokes are being logged. And I, I also put some other pages into this, and I was quite surprised. Some sites, including some which you would consider to be security-related, are doing an awful lot of spying and sometimes creepy spying on their users. Right. And one of the things that they, they point out in their um, their write-up about this tool is that it's quite easy to inadvertently end up with trackers on your website. Mm. So, for example, if you're using the free version of Discus, it's an easy way to add commenting on yes. your site. If you're using the free version of that, well, the reason that it's free is because they, they insert ads, and those ads have trackers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there are all sorts of things like that where just by making use of a free tool, you may end up with a, a dozen or so trackers on your website and that you didn't mean to install. Uh, they went and scanned hundreds of sites, and they found, uh, for example, I think there was a, a site that provided uh, women's health care services. Mm pregnancy services and things like things where privacy is a real concern that we're doing tracking that the organizations weren't necessarily aware of. They found a bank that was doing key logging of username and passwords and sending the username and password in the clear to a third party organization. What? Yeah. They reached out. <laughs> they, they reached out and let them know. And uh, this was put to a stop. But <laughs> yeah. Wow. So... It it goes just goes to show you never know. Um, I like their own description here. Uh, they say, uh, uh, I like to think of Blacklight as a meat thermometer that you can stick into any website and get an instant reading on its level of creepiness. See, I'm I'm looking for websites right now while you're talking to try and find one. So I, I, I've now just hit on OkCupid. I thought that mm-hmm. might be a good one with lots of tracking. I'm trying to find one with lots of tracking to see how we can see well, it. Uh, why don't you try? I haven't tried this one. Uh, I'm going to try TechCrunch because I think 
Forbes. Oh, Forbes. Oh, Forbes. Yes, go Forbes. for Forbes. Yes, Forbes. <laughs> Forbes. Forbes. I'm on def- it. Yes, Forbes. Forbes. Would, oh. <laughs> Let's see. See, we've maybe we've created a new game here. Who can yep. find the website with the most trackers? Oh, Forbes. Disappointingly <laughs> few. I haven't got many on Forbes. I got three ad trackers, one third party That's cookie. That's pathetic. Okay, um, let's try Daily Mail. The oh, Daily Mail. The sun. Oh, okay. Right, let's I'm... do this. Daily Mail. Ooh, Daily Mail. Okay, The Sun. What do you have for The Daily Mail? 22 trackers. Oh, you beat me. 21 ad trackers on The Sun. Seven (laughs) third-party cookies. How many? Okay, they definitely win. Whoa. New York Times has 10 ad trackers and six third-party cookies. Yeah, it's nothing. It's peanuts. Nah. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) What about a porn site? Playboy. I wouldn't know the name of any of those. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Oh, it's taking a long time. <laughs> it's obviously got intimate pictures. <laughs> right, right, that's your, your laptop bursts into flames. <laughs> Smashing security. Oh, no, we shouldn't look there, just in case. We don't control it. We don't control it. Like, Smashing security. I'll take all this out. It's just have it's looking, it's searching. <gasps> wow. Okay, playboy.com. Ten ad trackers, eight third-party cookies. Tells Facebook right. when you visit the site. Tells Google Analytics when you cross uh, when you. All right, you I'm follow. looking at smashingsecurity.com. shh, shh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> one ad tracker, one third-party cookie. That's not bad. I think Smashing bad. Security does have uh, discuss comments on it. Yeah, that's probably free. what it is. I th- it may well be that. I'm putting this uh, little uh, handy uh, website in my bookmarks. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a handy tool to find out exactly what's going on with some of the websites that you frequent. Mm. Can I just uh, thank you, Dave, because some people would try and slip this in in the uh, pick of the week section, even though it's clearly security related. And I think it's much smarter what you did. And I appreciate it. Crow, what's your topic this week? So it is said that every single second, some 100 IoT devices are connected to the Internet. Wow. Golly. Yeah. During the first quarter of 2019, 31% of U.S. broadband households, I guess households that have broadband, owned smart speakers with personal assistance or homes, home assistance. And if the total number of connected devices doesn't uh, shock you, consider the amount of data these devices are expected to generate. So Cisco has estimated that nearly 850 zettabytes will be generated by all the people, machines and things by 2021. Three months from now. Now, a zettabyte is equal to about a trillion gigabytes, and one trillion seconds is equal to about 31,000 years. Just to give you an idea of how much data we're talking here. A lot of data. A little bit. More than you can get onto a 720k floppy. Yeah. A bit more than you can get um, trying to break into a coffee machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas that is on the rise is that of the smart home. According to Statista, the number of smart homes in the market worldwide is expected to be almost 500 million in 2025. And I suspect actually with the onslaught of COVID, we're going to smash through that prediction with ease. And one of the areas that I want to talk about today in the smart uh, home technology segment Mm -hmm. is the security element, the home security. This huge market expected to read 8 billion in a few years, and it's growing at a clip. Literally, I think every two or three podcasts I listen to has some ad about how I have to live in in a digital fortress to feel safe and secure in my house. Have you guys heard these? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. What do you mean? Like ad spots kind of going, are you feeling safe at home? Why don't you try this service? We will monitor your home 24-7 and we'll have an Mm -hmm. alarm system. Oh, really? You've not seen? Oh, I hear them all the time. Yeah. So people are buying internet-enabled home security systems, or at least they're being advertised to left, right, and center. Yeah, and it's a big market. They're really campaigning for it, and it's a a scrappy market. Hmm. So my first question here, the question I was hoping to answer is, is a smart home safer than a more traditionally secured home? So traditionally, we're talking things like what? We're talking high fences, a dog perhaps. yes alarms that, you know, that just ring to annoy the neighbors enough that they call the cops. Isn't that the way it used to work in the old days? In Mm -hmm. the case of my house, a moat and drawbridge. (laughs) (laughs) Filled with crocodiles, yes. And what else? You'd have motion lights, that kind of thing, right? There's there's all these kind of elements that kind of- Ninjas. Yes, of course. Yeah, you have the ninjas. Yeah, that's really good. 
cages that drop out of the sky. <laughs> and, okay, and what do what do smart homes offer as far as you guys know that's different from all that? Like they definitely have the video doorbells. I yeah, yeah well, I, I imagine it's some sort of app component so that you can watch yourself being burgled while you're out at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I guess the idea of that you give it to the cops and then they'll be able to catch that burglar. Right? Yeah. I think that these uh, they feed on people's anxiety. They are anxiety machines. Or they, mm-hmm. they they because, for example, um, I remember uh, years ago when I was uh, first uh, out of college, and you know we were all living in apartments and so on and so forth. I had a friend who was just super nervous that someone was going to come and steal his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where we were out at dinner one time, and he said, "Listen, I've I've really got to get uh, I got to get back." Uh, when I left the apartment, uh, there was someone out in the parking lot who I didn't recognize, and I'm afraid uh, I, I just got to get back to check on my stuff. It's right. absurd. Wow. Um, yeah. But but I but my point is that I think by being able to monitor all of these things in real time, right? You kind of get hooked on that. Like, oh, let's let's look out to see what the camera's doing in the backyard. Okay, all clear. You know, someone walks by in front of your house and you get a ping on your phone. Who was that? Who was that? Go look it up and see who it was. And so you get hooked on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been on holiday with people who are like, oh, the, the, you know, the cat lady should be arriving about now. Let's look in and see if she's arriving on time. Yes. She's five minutes late. Yeah. You know, yes. To that point, my, one of my neighbors went away for a while and she hired my son to feed her cats. Right. And so, uh, (laughs) the first day my son goes in. And he yes. feeds the cats. He gives them the food, and he, you know, pets them <laughs> heads a to the bit. underwear drawer. No I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next day, goes in, takes all his clothes off. <laughs> right. Does a little dance. It's <laughs> down tonight. Um, so he feeds the cats. Does you know? Does what's expected of him, and he leaves. And he gets a call a little bit later from the woman, and she says, "Listen, uh, according to my alarm system, uh, you only spent two minutes in the house." Uh, that's not long enough. Yeah. We were talking about playing with my cat as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so my son is like, Dad, what? I don't understand. I said, listen, here's just go in, feed the cats. Read them a story. Sit on the couch for 10 minutes, <laughs> <and> look <laughs> through your phone. Tuck them in. <laughs> and then leave. Right. Oh, that's that's oh. what's being asked of you. <laughs> You know, but again, it's that anxiety, like the fact it was the fact that she could monitor what was going on. I think that's what they're feeding into and try, and they're making money off of it. Oh, totally. I even saw one of these sites in my research that offers watering plants, except it detects when it rains, so it doesn't do it then. So that a burglar, like what, a burglar was going to check your lawn and go, "Ooh, oh, looks a bit dry, but he's not home." <laughs> like so weird. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard tons of instances where it's failed the user, smart security, haven't we? Right. Where there's mm-hmm. like loads of fails. There's like baby monitors being hacked and scaring the shit out of customers. Mm-hmm. Or home assistants inadvertently recording and storing those recordings. Mm-hmm. And it's just, in my experience, every single one has a different configuration option list and a design, a different UI, making it super difficult for the average user. And many people on these things identify themselves through their own email account, like their primary email account. And as we know, right. if they get compromised. And probably they might, well, if they set a password at all, they're probably using something which they've used elsewhere yeah, on the internet. Exactly. Um, apparently last year uh, in 2019, there was uh, 2 billion records were exposed in this massive smart home breach um, that affected uh, the customers of a Chinese company called Orvibo. Uh, and they didn't get much. Don't worry. It was like email address, passwords, account reset codes, precision, geolocation, IP address, username, oh. user ID, family name, family ID, <laughs> smart device, Nothing device else. that access the account and scheduling information. Inside leg measurement. Yeah. Hardly anything. <laughs> talking talking about fostering fear and anxiety. <laughs> no, no, no. As to what you've just been doing. <laughs> Shouldn't we just say, don't worry about it? Yes, isn't we isn't that the it's whole fantastic. point of this show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure smart security is actually that smart. Yeah, I think you should just go back right. to more traditional methods. And anyway, listen to this anecdote, okay? So it, it, this drives my point home. So CBC, a Canadian broadcast company, published at this article on Monday where this homeowner said she got a message from a stranger uh, saying right. he had complete control over her home. 
And, quote, as she stood alone in her front hall, she watched in disbelief as the man unarmed the system, unlocked doors and windows and told her he could track her when she left the house, all with a few clicks of the security company's app. Mm. Any idea what might have happened? Um, hmm. No. Was it an insider at the security company? Oh, that's a good, that's or, a good guess. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was... Um, Here's a guess. She went down to her local coffee shop because we know how dangerous that can be. <laughs> Risking death. <laughs> yeah. So she signed up to be on, on their discount thing and she used the same email address and password as her home system. And the, the man behind the counter had a, a shine for her. And so he went into the system and looked it up. And that's how he had access to her home. That's my guess, Carol. Is this a romantic novel you've been writing, Dave? <laughs> It'll be available by the end of the month. Um, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> Jeez. So uh, the guy used to own the house. Ah. Oh. But it gets even more interesting than that. He swore up and down that he made numerous calls to cancel the service weeks before yep. she moved in. Mm-hmm. But somehow mm-hmm. he still had access. Mm-hmm. Now, question number two, why would this happen, do you think? Why would, if he's called Super lots of times and uh, said, come yeah. on, cancel this, cancel this, why would, why would they be dragging their feet? Well, because uh, there's no money to be made from that. <laughs> well, and I, I think maybe the system wasn't designed with this in mind. Yeah, I think you're both right. The problem is the cancellation policies. So people are like, oh, no, 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 no. I think if you read your terms and conditions, sorry, that ugly word rears its ugly head once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you will have seen in the fine print that you actually have to give us 60 days notice or 30 days notice or 45 days notice before we can cancel. So I'm afraid, sir, you're going to have to keep paying us until, but we've logged your request. Hmm. So it turns out that loads of people are trying to actually do the right thing, cancel their accounts in time. But the long cancellation period in the policy basically makes it impossible. Mm -hmm. So uh, guess what? They don't cancel the account or his access. And the fallout is the same. He has complete control over a house that is now occupied fully by its new owner. So the guy, after he told the owner and explained his whole situation, he contacted the provider. And he was told, he said, again, I really want to have my access revoked. And they said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait still a few more days before we can cut you off. And so he told them, quote, so you're going to give me access to somebody else's house. I literally could go on the app. I could watch them leave the house. I could walk up to the front door, unlock it, disarm the system, walk and steal everything in the place because an alarm company gave me access. And in 30 seconds, he was deactivated. <laughs> well, I think they should have stood their ground. Uh, could he not have shown some self-restraint <laughs> if he was the only person? I mean, he was the person who had this access, and he knew that he had this access, and he knew that access was wrong. And then he's like, "Oh, look, I've been given access. I shouldn't have access. I shouldn't have access." And then he accesses it, and then he shows that he can do it. Just don't use it. Just grow up, man. Why on earth are you doing this, fiddling with someone else's back door? Um- the reason he's doing it is to try and tell people this is a serious problem and we need cancellation policies that fit in with the lifestyle that people actually like to leave their house and buy a new one occasionally. Yeah, right. Well, you've drunk the Kool-Aid, haven't you? Because the problem is, you see, that if you're a bad guy who has access because you were the previous tenant, you're not going to tell the company, oh, by the way, can you cancel this? Are you? So that doesn't actually work. He's going to retain the access. So I don't understand. He's just given a scenario where he's a good guy who cares about this, who wants to cancel it, and they won't cancel it. I'm saying if you were a bad guy, you wouldn't request to cancel it. Mm. All right. Welcome to Graham's Logic Show, everybody. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to leave it there. I, I, spoke with a, I spoke with a security researcher probably about a year ago who had the same thing happen with a car that he sold. And he was able to, on his app, uh, still get the GPS location of the car that was no longer his. He was able to unlock the car. He was able to remotely start the car. Yeah. I think you <laughs> told us about it on this show, actually. I, th- I, I think I may have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, ooh. Anyway, there you go. So uh, be careful, guys. Read your terms and conditions. And, you know, maybe smart security ain't that smart. Yet. So uh, here, can, I, can I just add one suggestion as how this could be improved? So, so, so shouldn't there be a way for the new owner of the property to override 
the contract of the previous no, owner. No, definitely not. I don't think that's the right thing at all. No, if you are, if <laughs> of course you are the they new should. Person- yes. <laughs> Oh. Of course, there should be legislation Don't use in place. your sarcasm on me. There should be legislation <laughs> in place me. that says, oh, wow, a house these days isn't just bricks and mortar. It's all the technological gizmo fibzo that goes with it, like your smart fridge or your smart coffee maker, potentially, if they've left it behind, or the security, because that's all going to be hardwired, a lot of it. You're not going to take that with you as you leave. Let me ask you this. When you have purchased a home, mm-hmm. uh, did you... And and the the old owner, you're at the settlement table, and the home is now yours, and they hand over the keys. Did you then have all the locks changed, or did you trust that the old owner was giving you mm. all the keys? No, I got burgled, so I had to change all the locks. <laughs> For real. Yeah. The big problem with being burgled is the mess they make. So if you had a clean burglar that just came in and said, look, I'm really sorry, I stole your computer because I'm starving, and thank you very much, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Oh, but your burglar left you a little gift, didn't they? No, no, oh, no. No, I thought they left a little pre- a little calling card in the middle of the carpet. Was no! that someone else that happened to? Oh, sorry, I imagined. No one, as far as I know, has ever shut my carpet. Mm, well, have you tested it with a black light? <laughs> I can't believe it's still been all these years and you haven't found it yet. <laughs> This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by LastPass. Now, everyone knows about LastPass's password manager for end users, but it's also a great solution for businesses. In fact, tens of thousands of companies rely upon LastPass to protect themselves. LastPass Enterprise simplifies password management for companies of all sizes and helps you secure your workforce. So, whatever the size of your business, go and check it out. Go and visit lastpass.com slash smashing to find out more. And thanks to LastPass for supporting the show. Do you ever lie awake at night wondering whether you're doing enough to protect all that sensitive information that resides on the corporate cloud? Well, you're not alone. But thankfully, the cloud security experts at Oracle are here to help. You see, they've made available to Smashing Security listeners five reports that deep dive into different security issues all pertaining to the cloud. You can access these for free at smashingsecurity.com forward slash Oracle. That's smashingsecurity.com forward slash Oracle. And thanks to Oracle for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Now, my pick of the week this week, well, I am going to draw my... Actually, Dave, you, you love a, a bit of music, I do, yes. So what I'm going to do is oh, I'm going to... earplugs. I'm going to sing the opening line from a song and see if you can carry it on, okay? Mm. <clears throat> music was my first love. And it will be my last. Mm-hmm. So what key was that? Mm-hmm. Do you not know this song, David? I do David? not. No, it's not really. I don't know either. Well, not so far. Really? No. Music of the future. I wanted him to go high. <laughs> and music of the... Let me start again. Well, my pick of the week this week is all about music. Uh-huh. And specifically, it is a YouTube channel called You Can't Unhear This. Now, you might be curious as to what You Can't Unhear This is all about. It is about the quirks in some songs. And specifically, the channel owner seems to have focused on Beatles songs, although he may branch out in the future as well, because there are little curios locked away in some of these songs, things which, once you have heard them, you never miss them Mm. again. So it may be an incorrect note, or it may be, for instance, if you're listening to Strawberry Fields, which famously is two tracks sort of edited together at one particular point. It goes from a track, and then it goes to one which is being played at a different speed, and it's beautifully done. Or if you've heard the song Hey Jude, you know Hey Jude, which apparently uh, Paul McCartney has now sung over, I think, uh, 66,000 times during his wow. career. So someone's worked out how many Hey Judes he's, how many na 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 nas he said. <laughs> There is a point in Hey Jude when he's singing, hey, do, 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 don't bring me down, where you hear a fucking hell in the background. And once you've heard it, you can't mistake it. But that's a song which is played all the time. 
and pe- people, it sort of drifted past them. Is that very exciting when you hear those? It's, I... <laughs> <laughs> what? I find it quite interesting. And there are also questions like, for instance, at the end of All You Need Is Love, there is a bit, as it's going out, where they, someone sings, she loves you, yeah, 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 like that, at the end of All You Need Is Love. And there's been long debate, is it John or is it Paul singing? And this guy goes into forensic detail, including video footage, to work out exactly what happened. And it's, it is genuinely quite fascinating, <laughs> the true story of who said that and how it Are came to tell happen. Are you not going to as well. No, you're going to have to watch the link. I'm not watching it. Then you will never know. And well, but I'll never ev- know. And for the rest of your life, you will wonder <laughs> and you will think. Yes, I will. I wonder. It'll eat me alive. This uh, is the beginning of the end. There'll be emptiness. You'll think there's a piece of information. That's right. Graham knows, yeah. which I don't. Uh, yeah. And you will suffer and you will wake up in a cold sweat yeah. when you're 74 years yeah, old. No gaslighting or anything, everybody. If only he had told me that. And that is why this is mine and not Carol's <laughs> pick of the week. You can't unhear this on YouTube. Fucking hell. Dave, what's your <laughs> pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week is from the folks over at ProPublica. Um, and I am a fan of uh, interesting design online. It so rarely happens that you get actually really good design design being part of conveying information and i think this is a really good example of that this is a story they published it's called new climate maps show a transformed united states and i apologize for this being u.s centric but it also has to do with canada so there you go so what this is is a story about how climate change uh is going to affect where people live and and perhaps more importantly where food is grown uh-huh. throughout North America and as you scroll through it uh, shows you a, a live map that's changing as the information scrolls by and it shows you where people live and where right. food is grown and as the climate continues to warm which seems to be the track that we're on how that will affect things uh, and the, the bottom line is that things are going to move north. People are going to have to move out of the, the, the American South because it's going to be too hot for people to live oh. there comfortably, hot and dry. Well, hang on a moment. What are the Canadians going to think about all these Americans moving north? Well, that's – I was thinking, uh, you know, I'm sure there's someone in Washington who has their invasion plan that they're working on right now. <laughs> Because when the time comes, I think there probably is. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm sure there is. There, there's. I've read stories about how the U.S. does have an invasion plan for Canada, just in case. I mean, I hate to quote South Park, but they had an episode where Canada had a wall, right? And uh, try yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he was thinking on the wrong border. Mm-hmm. But the 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 breadbasket may move north into Canada, where. As uh, things are are better able to be grown there, um, now uh, selfishly, I was looking at this. So my own my home state of Maryland, where I live, seems mm. to be in the green zone. But uh, you have to consider that all those people living south of us who are going to have to go somewhere, they're going to be heading north. And so, what I've been wondering is: is now the time to buy up? Cheap farmland in West Virginia, which can be had for practically nothing at all. Uh, as these people oh, move yeah. north, they're going to have to have places to go. So should 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 you be buying up cheap land in places like that, and maybe in Canada, um, because over the next few decades, that, what that capitalize on the poor, starving people that are trying to get away from the burning sun? <laughs> Always put your your spin on things, Carol. Always put your spin on things. You miss Miss Little Little Miss Sunshine. There, I can always count on you. <laughs> right, right. Am I right, Graham? Am I right? <laughs> you you are you are right. I, <laughs> she loves all this. Uh, so serious stuff. This article is definitely worth a look, and it's beautifully put together, which makes the information that much easier to understand. So, uh, highly recommended. Over on ProPublica, we'll have a link in the show notes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is my pick of the week. Brilliant. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Okay. Um, do you guys know Hank the cow dog? Not intimately. No. But you know what, I'm, you know what it that. means? No. Who is Hank the if cow dog? If I say dog? it's me again, Hank the cow dog, that means nothing to either of you. Mm-mm. Okay. Is Hank, is Hank a name or a verb? Hank is the name. 
Okay. okay. So this is right. the opening statement uh, of the start of over 74 children's books by John R. Erickson. And he sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. Hank the Cow Dog is the self-declared head of ranch security. <gasps> there, I've done it again. Oh, you've done it. Right. <laughs> we need a little klaxon. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Hank the Cow Dog is the self-declared head of ranch security. He finds himself smack dab in the middle of a host of tangled mysteries and capers that span the universe of the Texas panhandle cattle ranch <laughs> Hank calls home. It's the longest sentence in the world. So basically, he's the head of ranch security and he gets up to all kinds of mischiefs and mysteries. And uh, this multi-winning collection of books has become a brand new podcast, which came at the beginning of this month. Have you listened to the podcast? Yes, I have. Have you listened to it? Oh, okay. Yes, I have. Because do you know who plays Hank the Cow Dog in this podcast? Oh, this this could be fun to guess. Mm. Is it Joe Pesci? Nope. Okay. Christopher Walken? Nope. Mm. Um, Who else is there? We could Um, make this a Patreon special. Keep going. Paul McCartney? (laughs) (laughs) It's none other than Matthew McConaughey. Uh. Ugh, what like is Ugh. your problem, oh, gentlemen? Don't tell me you like him. I love him. Ugh. He's a bit. He's a bit sleazy. Ugh. Why is he sleazy? He's just a bit. They're just. He's, they're. Um, what? Because he's hot. No. Yes. And uh, well, girls might. Girls might think he is. I think, I think. And he's a really good actor. Hot in a in a in a poorly groomed kind of way. Did you Ugh. watch True Detectives? I can't imagine he smells very good. <gasps> Whereas, whereas podcasters who don't drink coffee smell magnificent. That is well, true. both of you are just old, commercially <laughs> boring old farts, okay? It's great. They are narrated, but there's an overlay of serious, exciting drama. It's fun. It's crazy. It's wonderful. And it's for kids primarily. So this is a podcast that you will enjoy if you like Matthew McConaughey, unlike these two <laughs> dozos. And... Uh, and you should take a listen and try it out. So you can find it. It's called Hank the Cow Dog. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you all have the series of commercials that he's in for cars over nope. your, uh Okay. We do. They're insufferable. <laughs> oh, yeah. The God, the guy's trying to make a living. What a twat. <laughs> well, on that Matthew McConaughey type note. Oh, Crow, we, we've got a featured interview this week, haven't we? Yes, we do. Let's just dive right in. So today we have Greg Jensen of Oracle. Now he is the main guy when it comes to cloud. One of many. How do I say your title? Your titles, titles and technology are so long. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your title. Tell me you'll be better at it than I am. Senior Director of Cloud Security at Oracle. Okay, well, that's good, because we want to talk cloud, because uh, Oracle First is one of the big boys out there, really. I mean, everyone's heard of Oracle. Have you been there a long time? You know, I've been here a few years. I'd like to say a long time, but there's always people that have been here longer. I know. I, I was at a company once for 15 years, and there were still people that said, 15, I was there 20. <laughs> so you can never win. Yeah, yeah. I've been here about eight years. Yeah. Wow. And what's it like? What, what's it like working at Oracle? Well, you know, Oracle is one of those companies that they, they give you a rope long enough to, to climb and succeed. And so it's a very fun organization to really find some amazing projects to attach yourself to and grow within. Um, over the last eight years, we've seen the cloud really kick in. And it's been an amazing time just for me personally, just being uh, being able to see this uh, big movement of cloud within our customers, within my own team, and, and uh, be able to see this big wave move. See, this is why I'm so excited that you're here, because uh, the other day when we were talking and just prepping for this interview and having a chit chat, we were talking a bit about migration trends. And I know that LinkedIn put out some numbers about that, but effectively, yeah, what we're seeing is what people are actually, you know, because of this pandemic are actually moving locations. Yeah, they really nailed down, at least in the U.S., that they show that many people in the large cities are really migrating away and they're moving to these smaller, lower cost cities. Um, what's really, I think, enabled a lot of this is 
key drivers of work from home has really allowed a lot of this. Employers that allow their, their employees to have that flexibility to work anywhere they want, anytime they want. Mm-hmm. Then that's just, a, 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 I think, a great benefit. I've been able to have the, the, the whole 25 some years I've been in this industry, I've been able to work anywhere I've wanted. And that's been a great benefit for me. And that's a great quality of life, which is amazing. And really for a lot of companies and employees, that's really what's held them back has been technology. But now employers now have the ability to use modern technologies to take everyday employees that have, you know, whether you're in payroll, whether you're in a, a more ordinary blue collar positions or whatever, you're you're in uh, HR positions, whatever it, it might be, and be able to do these positions from home. And what underpins that are these digital transformation type technologies that are underpinned by cloud. Mm-hmm. That's what that's a really exciting type of capability today. This is kind of Greg's position on things, but we really see this da- this data in our new cloud threat report, the Oracle and KPMG cloud threat report. We see this data really backed up in this report that we put out each year. But the data really shows that as businesses are are moving to the cloud, those that have kind of a cloud-leaning position with this digital transformation, they've really had a leg up now with the the challenges that we're seeing here in 2020. And those that have had a bit more of a conservative approach uh, to cloud, we really see that they're now going to have a challenge as they're now getting through 2020 and getting into 2021 with this climate of, hey, can we support the work from home body? Can we support the demands of the the modern buyer, whether you're a mom and pop that have a new business model requirement of selling in a way that they've never had to sell before, or you're a new restaurant chain that hey, we've always required people to sit in a chair to, to consume our food. And now I have to somehow get you to buy food online and I have to deliver it to you. Wait, that's a new way of selling my my goods and services. Yeah, it's like a huge period, a shift of change. I mean, I, New York and San Francisco are no longer the coveted destinations they once were. <laughs> that's right. And rents are going down because people are leaving. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think because of cloud, right? Because of cloud technology, and because, of course, the you know the impetus that the pandemic brought on, people were like, "I don't have to live with a million people around me all the time. I actually can maybe go somewhere else and actually keep my job." What? How does that impact cloud technology for you as a provider of it? Like, how how does it change the the advice that you give people? What are the concerns you have? If you think about the average workers. They've worked in it for these employers for years, and they've had the protections of security operations and processes that have investments of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and maybe millions of dollars worth of investments behind them. Yeah, sitting behind firewall environments. You know, if you think old school firewall environments and and access control technologies and monitoring technologies that are worth a tremendous amount of money. And now they're sitting at home behind a broadband connection with a $39 router. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing, but it's a nervous laugh because I'm sitting at home and I'm turning around. I'm looking at my $39 router. So (laughs) it's, it's something that now we really look to our cloud providers and we think, hey, you got us. You got us covered. That that's now the question we have to ask our cloud providers that, hey, in this day and age, you know, a lot of a lot of businesses are we're doing away with VPN and we're looking at secure uh, cloud enablement mm-hmm. as the solution. And and we have to ask those questions. You know, you got us right. And then the data that's now being exchanged, you got us right. And and that's a legitimate question. You know, we talk about cloud service providers, but it's really a partnership that we're that we're having to to, to work with now. We have to develop as a as a business, we have to develop partnerships with these cloud providers and really ensure that whether you're a consumer or a business, when you work with these cloud providers, you have to work together and make sure that each are doing their part to ensure that the data is being managed correctly. I, I think that's the trap that a lot of people fall in, to be honest. 
Okay, so you're a cloud expert, and there's all these people now that suddenly are taking the cloud seriously. They may have been using the cloud till now, but now they're like 100% reliant upon it for their business operations. So what would be the three things you would ask them to really take seriously as a kind of to, to help them make sure that they, they're, they're managing their stuff correctly? 92% of businesses don't feel confident in their own ability to secure their cloud infrastructure now, 92%. Hmm. I think that's a sign that businesses felt pretty good at one point in, in cloud, but they don't feel confident in their own ability in cloud. And that there's a difference there. You can trust cloud, but you don't trust yourself. So that that that's, I think, a sign of the rash of breaches in 2019. So I think this is not a time to let your foot off the gas. It's a time to actually analyze, are you putting your foot on the right pedal right now? And to start looking at your processes, start walking through them right now, because more than ever, you have more at risk because of your distributed workforce. So, and not just workforce, your partnerships and and your your supply chains, everything is now distributed. So, um, not only that, look at your culture, culture of security first. We can put all the budget in the world at the problem. We could go buy all the greatest security solutions on the planet buy the from the greatest vendors on the mm-hmm. world. But if you don't have a, a culture of security first, it's all in vain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And then really it start working on a security first when it comes to your staffing. Because right now we still are working with, with a staffing shortage in IT when it went or in the area of security. It's hard to find qualified staff in security. We need to work on, on rigorous training programs and work on how we retain those the, the staff that we have today. And that includes an understanding of shared responsibility. That's all part of training. Yes. Well, you you guys have at Oracle have pulled together a bunch of resources, one of which is on shared responsibility. Just maybe just give us like the list of five reports that uh, that are going to be made available by you. Yeah. So we've got our first report, which is our main report, the Oracle and KPMG Cloud Threat Report. Right. We followed that with a report on shared responsibility. Uh, and so that report is available as well. We also have a report that we've released on cloud risk and business fraud. And then coming up here soon, we have our annual CISA report that we'll be releasing. And so collectively, these five reports, they are all pulled from basically interviewing 750 global respondents. So these are key cyber decision makers uh, that, that we hit in these global markets. Right. Basically understand what are the, the challenges and risks what are they dealing with? What's failed and what's worked? And we really pull this together in a, in, into a variety of different report types that really hit uh, conversation points. And so some reports really work for uh, certain types of personas within the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you must you must have a, one of a favorite report in all of these. Um, I think shared responsibility, to be honest. All of these focus on cloud um, and, and that journey to the cloud. I would say it's it's probably toss up between the shared responsibility and the CISA report because it, everything starts with understanding the role of shared responsibility. And, and that's where everyone seems to fall flat. And, and I can't tell you how many times I, I present to people and I get that weird look of, yeah, that's an, that is a problem. We don't know our role of shared responsibility. Great question. Yeah. We don't know. Can, can, yeah. can you talk to us off to the side here? How do we get educated on that? Like SaaS, you have the least responsibility in SaaS, and that's the area where customers have the most confusion. So, it, it, and it gets worse every year. So, th- this is our uh, third year right now of doing our report series, and the, the data is getting worse each year. So... I keep telling people that shared responsibility is a bit like two people. It takes two people to drive the car. You know, one person is steering the wheel. The other person's on the gas and the brake. And if you don't trust each other and know who's responsible for what, (laughs) it can get pretty awful pretty quickly. Yeah, I I think the best analogy I've ever had is is shared responsibility is like owning a car versus renting a car versus having an Uber. And 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 really, in a rideshare, you still have to to look at a license plate and verify the car you're getting into, and be safe when you get in and out of it, and don't do things that you should and shouldn't do in the back seat of that car. You still have responsibility. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I've not thought about it that way. So there's these five papers. Now, you are going to make these available without a gate to our Smashing Security listeners. Is that right? We are, yes. And, and the great thing that I would say on these Oracle's written on the front cover. KPMG is our partner. They're written on the cover. But these are not used to promote Oracle and KPMG services. (laughs) We're trying to extend our knowledge and our leading practices uh, in areas such as data security. But this is not used as a platform to promote our services. Right. It's just to promote good leading practices and good health. And, you know, that is a really amazing thing. And I wish other technology and security firms would do that because it's a time where uh, of unease for a lot of people and a lot of organizations out there. Any support they can have on the right way and the right approach from trusted providers is amazing. So thank you on behalf of everybody. Now, our listeners, uh, you will have access to all these reports by visiting smashingsecurity.com forward slash Oracle. You can choose which report is your favorite. So take a look at the five reports and let us know so we can share that information with Greg. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was the Senior Director of Cloud Security at Oracle. And thank you for sharing your insights. It's been fascinating. I'll really appreciate it. And thank you so much for all the time today. You guys have done a tremendous job, I think, in the industry. And I think, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. And of course, as in regards to the reports, extend any feedback to me. If you guys find it interesting, I'm available online on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. Brilliant. That's fab. Do you mind if I ask you something else? Can you just let me know who you think is funnier on the show? Is it Graham or is it me? It's just, you know, we're just trying to do a bit of a poll and uh, yeah. (laughs) You see, I wasn't even trying to be funny there and you laughed. I got to be the winner. (laughs) That's right. Well, that, I think, apart from the end bit, which was a bit rude to be honest <laughs> i think the rest of that was excellent really good points well made did you enjoy that dave uh, it was great yeah absolutely good info who do you think in answer to the question was it me or Carol? oh i have to go with Carol. boom oh for goodness sake well that just about <laughs> wraps it up for dave bittner's appearances on smashing security and it just about wraps it up for the show as well dave i'm sure lots of our listeners would like to follow you online what's the best way for folks to do that you can find me on Twitter. It's at Bittner, B-I-T-T-N-E-R. Uh, beyond that, go to thecyberwire.com. You can find all of my fine podcasts. Yeah, you might even hear me there, too. Yes. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter and last to have a G. And you can join our Smash Insecurity subreddit as well. And don't forget, if you want to be sure never to miss another episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast apps such as Spotify, Pocket Casts, or Apple Podcasts. Socially responsible hip shimmies to you all for listening, supporting the show via Patreon and sharing this podcast with your people. Also, high five to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, LastPass and Oracle. Their support help us give you this show for free. Check out SmashingSecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. 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 Um, can I tell you something interesting about black light now that I know it's called black light? If you go somewhere where there are things like um, yeah. scorpions, because they glow in the light. And we have friends. And if you shine it on their walls, it is crawling with these tiny little baby scorpions. Not ones that would hurt you. Yes. They, you know, they just live out in the yes. rocks. But wow. Very amazing. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, yeah, ignorance is bliss at a certain point. Uh, so, Carol, I pasted in your, pasted in the YouTube link to Matthew McConaughey's oh, excellent. Lincoln MKZ commercials compilation. Okay. Let's check this out. Oh, he's such a, he's a real poser. No, he is. Well, Graham, I would date him and I wouldn't date you, so. He's just the worst. And he likes to do that kind of southern drawl as well. It's like you doing that stupid British thing. He won't be from the South soon, according to Dave. He'll be from Maryland, yeah. chomping on a cookie. Yeah, yeah. Hey there. Yeah. Yeah. So your boyfriend's not giving you what you need, right? 
That must be pretty. Must be pretty tough. Uh, yeah, come on. 